0: Today on Truths That Transform. Continuing efforts are being made by atheistic organizations to remove every vestige of Christianity from the public life of America.
1: William Wilberforce is a wonderful example of a Christian motivated by their faith to make a difference in the world.
2: Welcome, I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. In the 20th century, a movement gained dominance, which says that the government is supposed to be completely secular, with no reference to God whatsoever. And unfortunately, many Christians joined in that false view, which contradicts the Bible and misreads the Constitution. So what should the connection between God and government be? We'll take an in-depth look at the question in this program. And we begin by examining the incredible, world-changing influence that just one Christian can have in the civil government, which is why we're relaunching the D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship in Washington, D.C. Here's our own John Rabe with more.
3: As liberal groups in America continue their assault on Christian values and morality, it may seem to be a daunting task to find elected officials who are taking a stand in declaring their Christian beliefs while working to change public policy.
4: Unfortunately, we see an assault on Christian values, whether that's in entertainment and arts, other spheres of culture, but certainly in politics. And that's the exact reason why it takes good men and women, Christian statesmen, to be involved in politics at all levels, but especially at the highest levels in Washington, D.C.
5: The real damage comes in the breakdown of families, and all of that is upstream from politics. But that doesn't mean for a minute we leave politics just to go its own way. It means we see where the damage comes. We've got to start with faith and the crazy ideas and then the damage to our families and to our schools and then to go to politics to see politics change too.
4: Standing for biblical values in government is difficult because a lot of times you may feel alone. So here at the Center for Christian Statesmanship, we feel like one of the ways that we can support Christian leaders is by recognizing them and praising them publicly, affirming what they do and letting not only them, but their constituency know that it matters.
3: So what exactly is a Christian statesman?
4: A Christian statesman is someone who not only do they have a private faith, but they have a public faith that they live out in the public square. They're bold and courageous in the things that they say. They take a stand for truth, and they lead in a way where they're distinctively Christian. They don't compromise on their values, and everyone knows that they truly are a distinguished Christian statesman by the way they live their lives.
3: The D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship recently honored Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears of Virginia with its 2022 Distinguished Christian Statesman Award.
6: As D. James Kennedy said one time, what? We don't want any Christians, any God fearing people in government? Should we just leave lawmaking to the atheists? And so that was one of the things that really started me on the path of thinking about politics in a totally
3: different way. There have been many notable Christian statesmen throughout history, but William Wilberforce may be perhaps the greatest and a model for today. Through his steadfast resolve to work within the established government as a member of parliament, he spearheaded the abolition of slavery in the British Empire.
1: So William Wilberforce is a wonderful example of a Christian motivated by their faith to make a difference in the world. He came from a place of Um, high society. His best friend was uh, William Pitt Jr. who was to become the Prime Minister of England. So Wilberforce could have been politically very powerful, uh, financially, he had the world at his feet. Uh, He met Christ and uh, he thought maybe he should go into Christian ministry, but eventually he was uh, persuaded that maybe his calling was in politics to make a difference to society. Wilberforce, as a Christian, his heart was really touched by the plight of slaves in the transatlantic slave trade. He saw that this was an evil, that it was a direct violation of Christian teaching in which we should value every human being regardless of colour, ethnicity, culture, etc. Uh,
5: When he became committed, uh, this involved quite a lot of sacrifice on his part because there was such opposition that it probably excluded him from higher office, uh, which... He may well have achieved if he hadn't been such an ardent campaigner. But he was supported also by the Clapham sect, uh, again, of uh, evangelical leaders, some of them ordained, some of them lay, uh, who worked uh, not only for the abolition of the slave trade and of slavery. Uh, but also to improve the working conditions of men and women in the United Kingdom. And many times, very often, they would meet here in Thiessen to plan their campaigns. You know, my family, Guinness family, uh, Arthur Guinness was a friend and supporter of William Wilberforce, the greatest social reformer in history.
1: I think just before uh, Wilberforce passed away, someone was able to inform him that uh, all that they had been working for uh, had been legally passed. Um, and uh, so he's quite a hero of mine and many, and, uh, and a wonderful Christian example.
6: There's a lovely phrase if I'm to read briefly from a book which I and a colleague wrote called This Immoral Trade, Slavery in the 21st Century. But in the introduction, there is a reference to an author, David Vaughan, who wrote a biography of William Wilberforce, and he concludes with a summary of his characteristics as a model to inspire all who hold positions of leadership today, and I'll just quote briefly from it. Imitate him if you can. He served the cause of human liberty, and that's a mandate for
5: all of us. Whenever human beings abuse other human beings, also made in the image of God, That is clearly abuse and injustice. The European Christians could see immediately that to have the Declaration of Independence and then to continue slavery was a hypocrisy, and inconsistency. It was a great grief to the Christian abolitionists that America didn't step in at the beginning of the abolition movement.
6: We have the greatest country in the world and it is because of the Constitution and it is because it believes and it espouses and it declares that all men are created equal, endowed by its creator, not by the government, but endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights.
4: I think the principles of our Constitution and our founding are timeless. Uh, They didn't take into account what was happening at that moment in history. And they're really applicable, uh, not only for, for that time period or that decade, but really hundreds of years later.
3: But many in recent generations, even those within the church, have been taught to only view the founders through the lens of slavery, which they used to essentially nullify the importance of our founding documents. There's no question that American chattel slavery was a deep moral evil, but it was also the status quo in the world of that time. And the founders composed these documents, which contained the seeds of eventual freedom for everyone, which was unheard of in that era. Our founding
6: fathers really did have a biblical worldview. Now, were they all Christians? Probably not. And I've heard this, well, you know, Jefferson was a, uh, a slave owner. Yes, he was. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone, you know? And even though they were not perfect, who of us is perfect, um, they endeavored to create and establish a um, a constitution and a country a united states of america that would be as close to perfect as possible so that people could live out um that that their inalienable right of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and so we have to thank them for that as a christian our passion has to be for all who suffer from slavery from lack of freedom from persecution from injustice so you absolutely should bring your biblical worldview your morals um, and your biblical values to you when you are governing because ultimately God is government he says and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end so absolutely they should bring um, their their faith to their service to the people
4: If we don't take a stand and represent um, our worldview and uh, impose that on policy, uh, others with a different worldview will.
1: Well, I think one thing to say about our Christian faith is that it's a real world faith. It's not just entirely mystical, it's all spiritual, but Jesus really cares about people and he cares about society. So you see that the way that he interacted with the poor, the outcast, those who are looked down upon. As Christians, we're really, called to make a difference in our world and in our society. So it would be great for Christians to be involved in every sphere of society, politics, law, medicine, education, because the more we have Christians who are genuinely trying to make the world a better place, they're not doing it in their own strength, but they're doing it empowered by God and His help, uh, the more society will uh, flourish.
5: Thank God for the heroes and those who are in the vanguard of reforms and freedom and justice.
4: One of my favorite things about William Wilberforce is that he was elected to office in his early 20s. I think that's inspiring for a generation of young people who are looking to uh, come to the table, take the mantle, and move uh, the ball forward on the field, so to speak. I think that it shows that no matter what age you are, if God calls you and equips you to go do something, you can step out in faith and be successful.
3: As D. James Kennedy Ministries continues to reach out to the next generation of government leaders, might the Center for Christian Statesmanship help train and motivate the William Wilberforce of this generation?
4: I'm excited about the Center for Christian Statesmanship because we'll be able to equip and support leaders that go into a mess of a a country and really clean it up in a way where it's not about them. It's about policy that will THE NATION IN A LOT OF WAYS. ARE
7: YOU CONFUSED BY THE ADVANCEMENT OF RADICAL CLAIMS ABOUT GENDER IN OUR SCHOOLS, COURTS AND GOVERNMENT? WE HAVE AN IMPORTANT BOOKLET TO SEND YOU CALLED, WHAT DOES THE BIBLE TEACH ABOUT GENDER IDENTITY? THIS SHORT, EASY-TO-READ BOOKLET WILL HELP YOU UNDERSTAND WHAT THIS ISSUE IS ALL ABOUT. We'll send it to you at no cost or obligation to you. Contact us today and ask for, what does the Bible teach about gender identity?
2: At a time when our culture is becoming more and more secular, with often disastrous results, we are in dire need of true Christian statesmen like William Wilberforce. We pray that God would help use this ministry to raise up that next generation of Christian leaders. But in order for that to happen, we will have to return to the biblical principles and America's founding ideals, which have been nearly erased by those who want to silence God in the public square. Not only can Christians be involved in governing, they must be involved in governing. Dr. D. James Kennedy explains in his eye-opening message, Church and State.
0: One of the issues which most troubles and perplexes the national life today is the issue of church and state. All manner of opinions have been set forth. What indeed is to be the relationship of church and state in this country? We are all aware of the fact that the First Amendment declares that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, what exactly does that mean? Today, we have been moving in a direction which attempts to say that that means that religion is to have no part in the national life of this country. Is this indeed supposed to be a secular nation? In the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, we read this, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable or as they said, unalienable rights. You notice, my friends, that it declares that they were created equal. It does not say that they emerged from the primordial slime equally. It does not say that they evolved equally, but it says that they were created equal. Now it is vitally important for us to realize that the very foundation of America was built upon the concept that we had been created by God and given by God certain inalienable rights and that governments were instituted merely to protect those rights which came from God. Now if we get rid of the concept of inalienable rights given by God, then we lose the very foundation of our liberties which were established in the Declaration. And that is why that the evolutionary teaching of our time is so dangerous to the basic liberties that we enjoy. Do you not see that if man has not been created by God, if rather he merely evolved, by some concatenation of amino acids and molecules in an ancient sea, then he has no inalienable rights. The only rights which he has are those rights which government may see fit to grant unto him, and those rights which are granted by government may be withdrawn at their pleasure. And that is precisely the situation that exists in every atheistic, communistic nation in the world today. My friends, without a belief in a creator, there are no absolute and inalienable rights. And the Declaration of Independence makes further reference to God in its concluding statements where it says, quote, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor those that gave us this nation did so as they cast their very lives upon the protection of divine providence today there are those who would say that it is illegal in our schools even to mention such a thing as divine providence. In 1929, the Communists issued a protocol, and in that protocol, which described various ways in which they were to bring about the destruction of America, they said, that the concept of separation of church and state should should be pushed to the extremist position. That all religion should be removed as the underpinning for government of this nation in order that eventually having grown weak and flabby and convictionless and fearful, this government might fall. Indeed, we have come a long way along that path. And there are organizations today of atheists and other unbelievers and separatists who would try to do exactly what the communists ordered in that protocol, to get rid of every vestige of religion, to push the idea of the separation of church and state, which of course is not found in the Constitution. That was taken from a private letter written by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist in 1802, which was 11 years after the First Amendment was passed, and it does not represent accurately what the First Amendment says. And therefore, they want to push this to the extreme position and get rid of all of the Christian and religious foundations of this country. I am sure that if the people for the American way, so-called, were the ones who were founding this country today, that not one single such sentiment that I have mentioned to you today would be found in our national heritage. And yet these people do not, let me say it again, do not represent the American way. They represent a total departure from the historic American way, clearly Indicated by all of the documents and evenly officially stated by the Supreme Court of this land. Let us not be deceived any further by them. I believe that the time is long past for Christians to stand on their feet and say, thus far and no farther, we have had enough with this. We can no longer allow such movements as these to reduce this godly nation to a secularist, atheistic, humanistic state where ultimate freedoms and rights are reduced to nothing more than the whim of the government to either grant or to withdraw. God grant that we have not become so weak, so vacillating, and so fearful that we do not have the courage to take a stand for God and this nation's freedoms and our religious liberty and the truth. God grant us the courage to take a stand while we still have a place to stand.
7: Hi, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. As you just heard from my dad, There's an ongoing deception about the relationship between religion and government in America. It took root in the 1940s and it's really gained steam in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Now the truth has been so obscured that hardly anyone even knows it anymore. You might have been taught that America is supposed to have a secular government and that the Christian faith has no place in it. But you may be surprised to learn that these ideas are simply not true. They're not true to our history, they're not true to our Constitution, and they're not true to the Bible. Find out more in our compelling book, 10 Truths About Christians and Politics, which we'll send to you as our thanks for your generous donation, which helps this ministry proclaim the Gospel, as well as Biblical truth on key cultural issues. That's an enormous need in these confusing times. We're able to shine the light of God's Word through television broadcast, Internet, print resources, podcasts, and more, because of people just like you faithfully standing with us. This book, 10 Truths About Christians and Politics, is packed with powerful insight into a Christian's responsibility in regard to government. You'll discover clear answers rooted in scripture and history to questions like, do Christians belong in politics? Does the Bible address civic concerns? And more. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we'll send you the book plus our exclusive new DVD, The Salt and Light Solution, Our Nation's Need for Christians in Politics Now. This ministry has relaunched our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship on Capitol Hill. And recently Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears was honored as our 2022 Distinguished Christian Statesman. This program features her stirring remarks from that award presentation, as well as an interview with former Congresswoman, Vicki Hartzler, our 2021 honoree. Plus, it contains key messages from my father and Pastor Rob Pasienza on Christian statesmanship and Christian citizenship. And your donation also helps advance the work of the vital D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship, which occupies a strategic position in our nation's capital, carrying the gospel and a biblical worldview into the halls of Congress. That's the book, 10 Truths About Christians in Politics, as thanks for your generous donation. And the book, plus the new DVD, The Salt and Light Solution, our nation's need for Christians in politics now, as our thanks for a gift of $50 or more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33339, or call toll free 877 962 7677, or go online to djkm.org.
2: The founding document of America, the Declaration of Independence, is premised on the fact that our rights come from our Creator rather than the government. In the 20th century, a false view of government began to take hold which said that there was supposed to be a wall of separation between the church and the state, an absolute separation that ensured a completely secular government. But that idea was widely out of step with the founding principles of our nation and of the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment was designed to keep the government out of the affairs of the church and to prevent a national church. But it was never meant to keep God and Christians out of government. George Washington was the president of the Constitutional Convention and later the president of the United States. As he left office, Washington said, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness. But in the 20th century, American schoolchildren were taught a false view of a godless government. And many Christians adopted that view as well. But Romans 13 shows us that government is given its authority by God himself. Neither God nor America's founders ever wish for us to disconnect one from the other. The church has compartmentalized its faith from influencing our nation far too long now. Just as America's leaders compartmentalize their faith from their politics. That needs to change. Where are today's William Wilberforce's? We Christians need to establish some priorities in order to see truth and goodness brought back into our politics. First, we must repent. 2 Chronicles 7:14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need to acknowledge our sinfulness before a holy God, and we must repent of our apathy and of our false separation of God and government and of our failure of courage to confront lies. Second, we must pray. Pray for God to raise up faithful leaders who have a firm rooting in Jesus Christ and his word and a strong commitment to living it out in the life of our nation. And third, we have to identify, encourage, and support those potential leaders. Our churches and pastors need to equip Christians with a right understanding of culture and government, something that has been woefully lacking. Perhaps God may even call you. Just think what the Lord might do with a new spiritual army of William Wilberforce's, George Washington's, and Abraham Kuyper's, who have a thorough understanding of God's word and of the principles of governance. Thank you so much for being with us today. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And also remember that you're always welcome to join us for worship here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. You can also join us by live stream every Sunday morning at crpc.tv. And here's a look at the next Truths That Transform.
6: Skeptics and unbelievers have various theories about what did and did not happen in the passion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe the biblical record is the historical record, is the true record.
0: That's next week.
5: This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.